We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Yay, yay. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the VM Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Tim Petrop, here with the one, the only, the big boss man himself, Nick DeVito. Yo, what's going on? I'm actually hyped because we're recording this on a Monday. I'm going to the Yankee game tonight. Nice. So my first game of the season has been way too long. We're already almost halfway through. Um, yeah, I've kind of fucked up on my uh, – actually, I've been to a Met game. I have been to a Met game. So wow. First, first Yankee game of the season. You know what's funny? I've been to more Yankee games than you have this year, boss, and you've been to the exact same number of Met games that I have. What the hell's going on? This is, this is, the world is hey, upside down right now. It's heavy slackage on my part on getting out to Yankee games. That's what it is for me. Yeah. And Met, Met games are always fun. I just like enjoy baseball. It's always like, I don't know. They have good beer over there too. So that's part of the uh, attraction for me to City Field. I will say City Field is City Field is great. I, I do miss, I, I yearn for the days where like, you know, when you watch baseball on TV and it looks like no one's in the stadium, but they say that the, they have like 35,000 in the stands. That's because if you've been to any ballpark recently, and if you're listening to this, you probably have. If you've been to any ballpark, the ballparks are all like behind where the seats are. There's crazy stuff. There's concessions, there's restaurants, there's different types of craft beers. There's whatever the hell you can name is there. There's there's games, there's TVs, whatever. No one's in their seats anymore. I do long for the days sometimes that people were just sitting in their seats and watching baseball. Yeah, there's so much more attractions now that like it's almost like you have to get up and go see what's going on outside of the game more so than you do have to see what's on the field. Especially if you're a little kid, like, yo, there's a home run derby with wiffle balls going on outside. Why the fuck would I oh. be over here watching the third inning? F yeah. I'm so with that. 
You know, so well, speaking of that, we got a jam-packed show for you today. Um, really exciting stuff because today we are going to give you our MLB All-Stars, at least for the position players. We're not we're going to keep the pitchers out for right now. Um, we're going to give you our MLB All-Stars. Also, we're going to be talking about some of the big headlines of the week. Plus, we'll be discussing the Mets situation. Um, but before we do that, just want to give a couple plugs before we get started. Uh, Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum is where you can go support the show. Uh, we are continuing to make moves and trying to expand. And right now, uh, we, we started spending a bunch of money on some equipment. Now we're kind of like saving it, biting it, and we have some special um, ideas for it when it gets a little bigger. So uh, keep on bringing it in. We do appreciate that and know that it is being spent in the correct ways. Um, another thing, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Veterans Minimum. Uh, follow us the show follow all the guys make sure to check out all the other shows everything vm uh stick with us we know you will because we got the best fans in the business hashtag the world needs vm so without any further ado let's get this started we're gonna start with the opening inning uh just some some stories from around around the league and the first one that made me laugh and i think it made me laugh more because i'm a mets fan <laughs> uh max scherzer uh, he's, he's doing his whole cool thing. Like, Oh, look, I got two different color eyes. I'm too cool to do, take this for real. And then he was bunting and what did he do? He kind of half-assed the bunt and lazily went after it. And the ball went right back into his face and broke his nose in one of the, uh, one of the more, I don't know, laughable, painful experiences, uh, ever. I was watching, I was actually watching this show of why your brain reacts to pain with laughter and it's pretty interesting. I'm not going to give it away, but uh, do you think that bunting practice is something that's necessary for these pitchers boss? Bro, honestly, if you're Max Scherzer and, or you're the nationals and you're paying this dude 200 plus million, like why is this dude taking any, why is he even in the freaking batting cage? Bro, that dude doesn't need to pick up a bat all year round. He can go up there and strike out all he wants. I don't care how many times he strikes out, bro. Just pitch for me. I'm paying you all this money to pitch, not to hit, not to bunt, not to do anything else. If you're going to go in there and half-ass it, don't go in there at all. Like, yo, I don't need you in there, period. I think it's pretty stupid. Other pitchers, go ahead. Get get your hacks away. Mess around because you will be getting at-bats. You know, get your bunts in in case of sacrifice bunt situation. Max friggin' Scherzer, no thank you. I don't know what the hell he was doing in there. Stupid as hell. And then he wore one in the face for not taking it serious. I mean, I think that's on Max Scherzer. Don't blame bunting practice. As, as someone... Look, when you get into that postseason or if you get into meaningful games and your pitcher can't bunt and you're in the National League, that's a huge disadvantage. Bro, so, it's you, Max Scherzer. I'm expecting zeros. I don't care if he's bunting or Max. not. That's that's true. That's true. It's, it is Max Scherzer. But, dude, you know what's you, funny? If it was like a fifth starter, if it was, I don't know, anyone, like anybody, they wouldn't. this wouldn't be a story. It'd be like, oh, you know, he got hurt, whatever. But it was freaking Max Scherzer. He has the two-color eyes. He was wearing a black eye with it. Mad Max, <laughs> Mad Max went out and Mad Maxed it out with a broken nose. Facts, for real. Um, so I mean that that's gonna obviously hurt the Nationals, who had who gotten pretty hot uh, over the past uh, few after this basically this month. The they've kind of turned it up a little bit. Um, another team that's yeah, but he's not up, gonna miss any time though, so it's all right. Everything's all right. Uh, I mean, he's gonna look like a bona fide badass on the mound. Sure, you think it'll affect his play? You think uh, a swollen, broken eye? I mean, a swollen, broken nose is gonna affect him? I mean, he was solid his next day out. He pitched like the next day or two days later, and he was pretty solid. I think he went on seven innings, so so he's still good. 
So basically, it's just everyone could laugh about it and move on. Bro, if it's anything but an arm injury or like anything physical, if you could still see, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Fact. He's Max Scherzer. As, as long as you can see Max, you're straight. Go pitch. Um, yeah. Uh, another another thing that I want to talk about that I thought was one of the coolest things that I've ever seen. Um, if you guys don't know how good Albert Pujols was as a Cardinal, do yourself a favor and go back and look. Car- Albert Pujols, uh, he set the world on fire over and over and over again. I'm not going to go year by year, but he's had he had in St. Louis he had batting averages of 357, 331, 359, 330. 327, 312. This was every single year. His he led the league in slugging percentage three times as a Cardinal. He led the league in OPS three times as a Cardinal. He had led the hit league in home runs twice, in RBIs once. He had over 100 RBIs every single year as a Cardinal. Over 35, or I'm sorry, over 33 doubles every single year as a Cardinal. Over 170 hits every single year as a Cardinal. Uh, to get just so you get it. He was very, very good as a Cardinal. Um, one of the most premier franchises in the world, and you could argue that he was their best player ever, right? So he was a Cardinal. He decided after 2011 to ditch the Cardinals, go out to L.A., take a big deal with the Angels. The Cardinals weren't able to give him the 10-year deal. And, you know, usually when that happens, there's bad blood. But this weekend, Albert Pujols visited St. Louis, and he hit a home run and what happened after that home run was one of the more remarkable things I've ever seen, honestly. And, uh, being in St. Louis, uh, recently, I could tell you that the rumor of them all being baseball fanatics and loving baseball and having a great baseball culture there is not, um, an over-exaggeration. They definitely love their Cardinals. They definitely love baseball. And you could tell that every single person in that stadium knows the history because Albert Pujols hit a home run and for the first time ever in my entire lifetime, I watched an opposing pay- player round the bases in a visiting stadium to a standing ovation and then go in the dugout and get a curtain call at a visiting stadium. Just to remind you, this guy hasn't played since 2011 in St. Louis. To give you a, an idea about 2011, that's the year I graduated college. I'm 30 years old now. It, it was a long time ago, 2011, yet he still got it. I got to say, it made me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. It made me feel really good. It made me feel like, man, baseball is such a great game, um, and the St. Louis fans are such great fans. Uh, what was your reaction to that, boss? That was pretty cool. I can't lie. And for him not to go – I mean, I know it's AL and NL, but it feels like forever ago for him not to – for them not to have visited St. Louis is kind of crazy. So it was pretty cool. Like, and, and the contract part you talked about, I feel like it was kind of mutual where the point, like, yo, we don't want to go 10 years with Pujols. So, you know, go get paid elsewhere. You deserve it. You know, if you don't want to stay here, it was kind of similar sentiment. I feel like like everyone knew he wasn't going to come back. He was going to go chase the big bucks and the, and the term. And it was kind of known from the jump, like the, the Cardinals didn't want to give him that term. So obviously – you can't boo the guy. Like you said, this, this dude, I mean, his nickname is literally the machine. And that's what he was for them for how many years? Yo, I had, like you said, it's funny. You said, if you don't know how good he was, go look back at his stats. I recently did that like a few months ago. Where I was like, yo, I kind of forgot how good this dude really was. He didn't have a year under 300 in St. Louis. That is absolutely ridiculous. Not even close. Like, I think yeah. his lowest batting average was like three, 312. 
Yeah. Like, dude, this dude was in the MVP race every year. They were, you know, he won a ring with them. Like, they were doing big things. And um, it's just cool to see, like you said, arguably one of the franchise's best players. Um, for him to go back, for him to hit a home run, pretty sweet, pretty badass. And then, you know, he got he got a standing all pretty much every at-bat uh, all weekend. And then, uh, you know, he got the curtain call at the end of the game uh, Sunday. So that was pretty badass. And he got to play, which was awesome because – Obviously, there's no DH in the AL. I mean, in the NL, I'm sorry. And they were in the NL ballpark. So, um, they stuck him out there every day at first base, which is cool for the Cardinals fans. who got to see him, who had tickets uh, throughout the weekend. So, yeah, just a badass moment all around. And the machine is obviously a first ballot Hall of Famer. So, great to see him get back to St. Louis, get the respect he deserved. And now, uh, on to big things. They're, they're a good team this year, the Angels. They're fighting for a second wild card. So, It'd be nice to see them back in the playoffs and see Trout in the playoffs. It definitely would be. It definitely, definitely would be. You mentioned the MVPs, too. We'd be remiss without saying that he won three MVPs with the Cardinals. Every single year he's with the Cardinals, except one year he finished top five in MVP voting. Um, even, even when he, Even in his last year, he finished in the top 17 in MVP voting, and that was by far his worst year with the Cardinals. So, man just a, a story career and it's great to see the people in st louis remembering their history remembering the guy who kind of set the tone for that franchise being a franchise that can't be fucked with like uh for throughout our whole baseball watching career the cardinals have been kind of that like organization where you can trust them to do the right thing you could trust them to build a contender every single year and that wasn't really the case before even when mark mcguire was hitting 70 home runs they were a 70 win team so when Albert Pujols kind of bro- burst onto the scene, he brought that stability to the franchise. And every single year, they were contenders. And every single year, he was in the MVP race. And uh, shout out to St. Louis for being still st- for having the reputation of being the best fan base in baseball and proving it uh, with this one. Definitely, it feels like him and Yadi were like the pillars. Him, Yadi, and like Adam Wainwright. Facts. Uh, I, know, I know Tim doesn't like that name, but you know I got to bring it up. <laughs> but yeah, that's like- me, boss. Those were like the three pillars of of excellence for the Cardinals organization. Um, moving on to our next topic, uh, Pete Alonzo. Actually, I just got an alert on my phone. He just won NL uh, Player of the Month uh, for June. Um, he just hit his 27th home run. <clears throat> that ties the – I'm sorry if I'm coughing, by the way, people. I'm just coming over a sickness. No, get it together, brother. Yeah, I'm just getting over a sickness, man. I had to call out of work on a Friday. That's the worst shit ever. Why? That's the best <laughs> shit ever. You get three-day weekend. What the fuck? Three-day weekend laying in bed, not doing shit. I watched so much <laughs> Netflix this weekend. It was ridiculous. Um, right, so you get to catch up one weekend. It don't hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah tell that to my lungs. Um, so <laughs> Pete Alonso, 27 home runs. He breaks the Mets rookie record for home runs in a season. On June 23rd, he breaks it against the Cubs, and he's not passing no scrub. He's passing the guy who took out New York by storm in the 80s, Daryl Strawberry, for 26. Daryl had a nice, uh, some nice words for Pete Alonso, saying how proud he was of him and all that stuff. What do you think about Pete Alonso? I, I mean, he's already got the Mets record. Uh, as you know very well, boss, the overall record is Aaron Judge with 52 home runs as a rookie. Do you think Pete Alonso has a chance to hit 53 home runs? Yeah, I think easily he has a chance. Especially, I mean, he's got to stay healthy, but I feel like that's all he's been doing. He's hitting 260, and I feel like all those hits have come in big situations or big home run late in the games. I remember early in April to almost like mid-April, he didn't have a home run off his starting pitcher, and everyone was like, 
including myself, I kind of I think I pointed that out on the podcast. I was like, ah, you know, I don't know if he can really do it against the elite pitching and starting pitching. Seems like when the starters leave, that's when he does his damage. But yo, he's been doing it to everyone now. Nobody's safe for Pete Alonso. So it kind of sucks because the Mets are. I mean, we're going to talk about that shortly, but the Mets are like all in all this turmoil. Short, I mean, you know, if you really look at it closely, they're not that far out of a second wild card spot. Like they're hanging around despite all the negative negativity surrounding the club. So he's having such a historic year, and I feel like it's so overshadowed by everything else going on. Like him, Jeff McNeil, Conforto is having a big bounce back year. I remember you picked him for like NL MVP on the preview show. He's been a beast this year, a possible all-star candidate. Um, like that lineup is doing some serious damage, and they're not winning games. They're blowing games late, and, you know, it's, like I said, just getting overshadowed. But, yo, Pete Alonso deserves – any and all the credit possible, and he definitely has a shot at catching Judge and McGuire. McGuire had 51, held that record for a long time, and now Judge only did it two years ago, and right now Pete Alonso is right on the heels. So, yeah, definitely. It's definitely attainable. I think one thing that puts him and Judge in kind of the same category of guys that can do this with longevity, I think it's that they have power to all fields. One thing where you see home runs with Aaron Judge, he's not just pulling bombs. Like, don't get me wrong, he pulls bombs. But he's also spraying the ball all over the place. And I think you see that with Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso is such a a, a level, um, powerful, quick swing. He's not an uppercut guy. And when you see a home run hitter like that, you assume he's an uppercut type of dude. Pete Alonso is not like that. Pete Alonso likes to take opposite, opposite uh, I'm sorry, outside um, breaking balls the opposite way, whether it's over the fence or wherever. He likes to pull the inside pitch. He likes to be in a mental battle uh, with a pitcher as well. And I think that bodes, bodes well because, look, I say this every single year. Baseball is a tale of two halves. There are two seasons in baseball, the first half before the All-Star break and the second half after the All-Star break. And things change every single year because of those three days off. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. I don't know why it happens. I don't know where it happens. I don't know how it happens. But there's two different seasons in the in Major League Baseball. And you know, it, you could easily say that Pete Alonso, this is because no one has tape on him. This is because he's getting a little lucky. It's because he's hitting it off these middle relievers. It's not the case. I get, I get the now baseball is a regional sport. We've talked about that on the podcast before. Baseball is the type of sport where if you are a fan of a team, you watch that, but you're less likely to watch, you know, like you watch Thursday night football every Thursday, you're less likely to watch Sunday night baseball every Sunday. This is how it's been from the very beginning, right? So you don't get a chance to see a lot of the guys uh, that are playing all around and these rookies that have these big names and, and are, are killing the game. But I fortunately get a chance to watch Pete Alonso on a night in and night out basis. And I got to tell you, there's no weakness in this kid's swing. Um, he, I would say maybe going up against him is, is how you'll have the most success. But I've seen him taking a pitch high to deep center field for almost 500 feet. I've seen that happen. So he doesn't really have any holes in his swing. He doesn't really have any holes in his strike zone. He likes to take it to all fields. Uh, that's why I think he has a chance at this. And watching him play, man, he's he's not the most athletic dude. Like, he's kind of stiff. He's kind of boxy in his movements. Uh, he <laughs> kind of looks like that kid at the park where you pick him last and then he drops 16 on you in a pickup basketball game. Like, that's what it looks – that's who he looks like. Like, it doesn't make sense – what he's doing, but it all works out. And if you just look at the core, his swing, his swing is level and it's powerful. Everything that comes off his bat, whether it's a pop fly grounder or a 500 foot home run is all done with power. So I think, yeah, I think he has a shot, man. 
I'm not gonna Yeah, lie. for sure. I like what you said too. He definitely like I mean I've watched my share of Met games too on Yankee off days or I'll flip back and forth because I've you know I play fantasy baseball to see what's going on. And he definitely takes his singles to right field, like you said, on pitches that are low and away or just away in general. Nice. Like he'll just poke it out there and take his singles. And and you know, that's the type of hitter he is. He's not looking to go yard every at bat. If he gets a pitch outside and he's got he's down in the count, he'll just throw it, flick it out there to right field. And that's what I love most about Pete Alonso for sure. Let's continue with the Mets theme. So we did we talked about a good thing with the Mets. Holy shit, it actually happened. We talked about something good. Let's return back to the shit show that we know and love, the New York Mets. So <laughs> yesterday, um, a reporter decided after they grilled Mickey Calloway uh, over his decision to leave in Seth Lugo in the eighth inning, which resulted in a three-run home run um, that lost them the game. Another bias. Javi bias against the Cubs. Another missed opportunity to win a series. Another missed opportunity to end the game in the late innings. The the Mets have been getting killed in the late innings. Like you said, their hitting has been good. Uh, has been really good. Their pitching, although not as good as it's been in year past years past, has developed as the year went on, getting better. Syndergaard is getting better. Jason Vargas has been really good for somewhat, for whatever reason. Uh, Zach Wheeler has been super inconsistent, but um, his last outing was decent. Uh, Steven Matz, again, also inconsistent. Uh, Noah Syndergaard has been getting better. So the starting pitching has been decent. The hitting has been borderline spectacular. And then the bullpen has just been absolutely atrocious. Uh, so Mickey Calloway has been hearing his about his mismanagement of the bullpen because look the bullpen arms when you look at the names on the roster these are good names Robert Gazelman Seth Lugo um Edwin Diaz Jerris Familia these are guys who are have done it in the league and have proved that they can do it in the league so it leaves the biggest questions obviously on the person who's using them and the person who's being perceived as misusing them and uh, Tim Healy, I believe his name is. Uh, he's a reporter. Yeah. yeah, so he he made a little bit of a snarky comment to Mickey Calloway as he was leaving the press conference after he got grilled over, over leaving Seth Lugo in the eighth. And he said, see you tomorrow, Mickey. And Mickey Calloway did not like that. Uh, neither did Jason Vargas, uh, the guy that seemed to be standing, the only guy left in New York that seems to be in Mickey Calloway's corner, uh, Jason Vargas. And they almost got into a fight with this dude. They had to be held back by players and staff. Um, the MLB said they're opening an investigation into it today. Boss, what do you make of this? And what does it tell you about Mickey Calloway? I mean, it's just a big black eye on the Mets, obviously, first and foremost. I don't know what's up with Mickey Calloway. If this dude is trying to light a fire under his team, if he's trying to get fired, like those are two different directions in a fork in the road. And, I still can't put my finger on which one he's like trying to get to, but yeah, you can't be a professional manager or a professional baseball player in Vargas's case and curse out the media. Yo, the media is going to be here longer than you ever will be. So you can't get rid of them. Cursing them out is only going to start a bigger problem, especially now all media coming in knows what happened, knows the situation, knows how they could possibly be treated uh, in that clubhouse, which is not an environment you want to, you know, create i think mickey has lost the locker room i think that's what like put him over the top that loss yesterday could have put him over the top i know he has strict orders on uh edwin diaz first it was he can't get more than three outs he's only going one inning because that was a big deal because like you said the mets have struggled 
with their bullpen to close out to finish games. Whether it's Familia, whether it's Gazelman, whether it's Lugo, all these guys have struggled to finish games. So the question early in the season is you traded for this elite young closer. You gave up top prospects. Um, why aren't you using him for more than three outs? And apparently that's a call from Brody, and Mickey's got to you know adhere to that. So for him, I think that's what's the problem. What the problem is, it's not Mickey's call for Edwin going three outs or four outs. It's it's Brody's call or higher ups, which I don't still understand because he's a young arm. He's not a thirty five year old guy who's going to break down later in the year. Granted, his his build isn't all that. You know, he's a slim dude. Um, but you got to use your closer to win games. I don't care if it's June 24th. He has to be able to get more than three out. So I think that starts there. And then, you know, he said, yeah, they were like you said, they were grilling him about that. And he said, see you tomorrow. And he was probably just done with it. Um, and then for Jason Vargas, supposedly like the Tim, what was his name, Tim? It was Tim something. Tim Healy. Tim Healy. It was like looking at him. And uh, Vargas was like, what are you looking at? And Healy was like, I was looking at you. I look like you wanted to say something. And he was like, Yeah, I'll fuck you up. Like, come on, bro. You gotta you gotta know how to carry yourself better than that. Like I said, you're a professional. You gotta talk to these guys every day. That's part of your job. To treat someone like that is is a little ridiculous and over the top, but I think the Mets need to change, man. I think the locker room is lost. I think it's evidenced by what happened yesterday with Mickey, Vargas, the outburst. And uh, I don't know if there's any coming back from this. They haven't won a series on the road since they, the start of the year where they won back-to-back road series. They haven't won a road series since April. Like, and- come on, you got to be better than that if you want to be a playoff team. Brody said at the start of the year, you, the Mets are the team to beat. Come on, like, you got to back this talk up. And if that's the way things are going right now where you haven't won on the road and your manager is flipping his lid, something needs to be done. You got to wheel things in, get, get shit back on track and get shit together. Let's rewind a little bit back to the early beginnings of last year. If you remember, the Mets got off to a scorching hot 11-1 start. And one of the reasons why the Mets got off to such a strong start is because what Mickey Calloway, how he was managing, and he's a rookie manager, and you have, you have to give him you know, some leeway. You, know? you have to give him a little bit of understanding. But he managed those first 12 games as if he was managing the 12 games that you need to win a World Series. Like he was um, using his setup men. He was using his closer for four inning outs early in the season. And he was wasting away his bullpen arms. Uh, Fast forward a little bit. And not only will the the bullpen arms tired, uh, they're getting injured. Uh, They can't seem to close out any of the situations late in games. And it really cost the Mets last year. Fast forward this year, right? Because as much as you can lay in the bullpen last year, it was really the hitting that was the issue. We couldn't hit the backside of a barn, right? Fast forward this year, the hitting steps up, right? But the same problem persists. One of the reasons, and I hear this a lot, is everyone's like, oh, you know, give Mickey Calloway a break because uh, he is under guidelines. Um, he is someone that is not making all the decisions according to some of these reports, right? He has... Uh, strict th- limits and things that he has to adhere to. So you can you can have some sympathy for him, but you have to realize again that this is his doing, right? He was using Edwin Diaz for four out, five out saves in April, 
in May. He was using his setup men, the same guys, over and over again every single day. Seth Lugo last is absolutely been torn into the ground. He's been our only decent reliever besides Edwin Diaz, and he last last week. I mean, sorry, this week you saw him yesterday get tired, and what happened? He gave up a game-winning hit, and you see this all the time. And I think Mickey Calloway's actions early in the year as the guy who used his bullpen uh, the exact same way that you need to use them in August and September, except he's using them that way in April and May, you see the result of it. The result is these limit caps that are put on Mickey Calloway. So if you're telling me that Calloway is, is working under limits, he's working under limits that he made himself. He's working under limits that he caused. So, first of all, miss me with that. Second, this is a curious hire right off the bat, right? When Mickey Calloway was hired, you're like, all right, so we're getting a pitching guy in here even though we need hitting. And the pitching has has gotten a lot worse since arriving. And he's a young kid after we fire the oldest manager in the league. He's an analytics guy to an old school type of guy. It was the exact opposite of Terry Collins. And uh, I'm in a Mets group chat where a bunch of hardcore Mets fans uh, that I've grown up with, we all talk about every single game and complain about everything. And one of the big complaints all year was Terry Collins sucks. Terry Collins sucks. Terry Collins sucks. And now most of the guys are clamoring to have him back because he, you could tell that when Terry Collins um, made the moves, he had the long game in mind. Every single time he he made a move in May, he was making it in order to make sure that a move in August and September could be made. And I just don't get that from Callaway. And on top of that, dude, you're in New York. You got to be able to handle the media. If the media says some snarky shit to you, then you got to take it. That's part of your job. That's why you make millions of dollars. I cannot stand when athletes go at the media. Like they don't like it's because they take themselves too seriously. I think these athletes when they go after the media and that goes for Mickey Callaway too. Yo, dude, you got to answer these questions. That you're an entertainer. You're here to provide entertainment. And you have to quit. And when fans have questions, you have to answer them. That's it. I mean, there's not much else to say. So, I mean, look, again, the Mets say they're sticking with Callaway. They're not going to fire him. Um, but it's been a while now where Callaway has done actions that have made Met fan and the Mets fans' base call for his head. Um, this does seem like a situation where if you fire the manager and you bring in a new guy that can get the most out of your squad, all of a sudden what you're looking at is a rejuvenated team who already can hit, who already has that kind of clubhouse dynamic within each other. Right now all the reports are saying that there's a big split between uh, manager, players, and upper management, Brody, and uh, the the Wilpons. So it's – man, this is a mess. And so I, let, let me ask ahead. you this though. Go ahead. Like, all right. So we're recording right now, so it's tough. But uh, Mickey Calloway has a meeting right now. It's at four o'clock. Yeah. Uh, which should be interesting. I can't wait to check that out after. But Tim, why? I know Edwin Diaz has limits. Why? In the in the world of pitch count, you know this guy can't throw over a hundred pitches. Why is it an out limit on Edwin Diaz? Like what? Like, are the Mets that far behind? Like, dude, we're talking about we're, we need pitches, not outs. The, so, look, I, I think I, like, I, I agree. With I just you. don't understand that limit. Like, why is there an outlet? Why can't why can't he get why can't he get four outs but not five? Like, it should be more based on pitches 
than it is outs. I think it's because Mickey Calloway was abusing him and brought him in for a few four out saves that he blew and it blew his confidence up. Like Edwin Diaz, look, he's our best reliever and he's he's a very good pitcher. But he had a stretch, if you guys weren't paying attention, where he was one of the worst relievers in baseball. And that all started off a four out blown save. And like you can't be putting in your, your closer for four outs on June 24th. But, I don't know, bro. If your closer can't you know get four you're right. outs. So. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You can't be doing it on May 24th. You can't be doing it on April 24th. And I think because he did, now on June 24th, that's not available. Because now you're thinking about the long game. And I, I think that's where it comes out. I think that it's the same exact problem I had with him last year. It's the same the same reason why I went on the show when everyone was like, oh, you're Mets. They're 11-1. What do you think? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, eh, we'll wait. We'll wait, wait, wait and see. It's because they were playing every single game like it was game seven. You can't play like that. It's 162 games. This is a new, this is a new era. All right? If you didn't notice, baseball is getting younger. And these young kids, they go from playing uh, 80 games or whatever in college to playing 80 games in the minors and all of a sudden 162 games. You, you got to be aware of that. Uh, and, you, and you have to be able to play the long game. And with these relievers especially because they're seeing way more innings than they used to back in the day. I remember when, when Pedro Feliciano used to pitch 70 innings and everyone was like, oh, man. Oh, man, Pedro Feliciano. Oh, my God. How could he do it? It feels like 70 innings is the standard for relievers now. So it's just like, do, do you have the long game in mind? Or are you going to keep making the same goddamn mistakes over and over again? Because if you're going to keep making the same mistakes, you need to get the fuck out. And if you can't handle the questions about those mistakes, you really need to get the fuck out because this is New York. You're not playing You're not playing with little boys here. You. This is the big leagues. This is the biggest of the leagues. This is the New York Mets we're talking about. All right, and you've got a fan base that look. We're about to talk about the the All Star Game, so I'm not going to give away too much. But I mean, look at the look at the All Star voting. There's a Yankee at every position in the final three, and that's because the Yankee fans showed out for their team because they have confidence in their team. There's not one Met in the final three, and you got the biggest rookie in baseball. That's a problem when your fan base is that disengaged, where they can't get Pete Alonso into the top three All Star voting for first baseman in the National League. That's a big-time problem, and the problem starts with the manager. The problem starts with the fact that he's so thin-skinned, as he showed. The problem, this problem starts with when you blow games late, it's so much worse than getting blown out. It's so much worse because it's deflating, and you deflate yourself. And these kids, in the beginning of the year, the Mets also were great at coming back and, and winning. You can't do that every game. These are the pros. You cannot do that every game. There's guys who throw 100 miles per hour out of bullpens. I don't know, man. I just, for me, there is no maybe for Mickey Calloway. It's get him the fuck out right now. I mean, there's there's really no more, there's nowhere else to go. I mean, but knowing the Mets, they'll, you know, they'll fly to Los Angeles and then fire him on the plane ride. <laughs> Didn't they do that to Willie Randolph? Yeah, they did. <laughs> they, fly, they fired him on a plane ride to Los Angeles. At like 1 a.m. Yeah. Like some ridiculous hour. Not even back home. Yeah. Like they couldn't wait for him to get back home. They made him take a flight to LA and told him on the plane. This is the type of shit this organization does. It's hard to be a fan sometimes, not gonna lie. Classic bets. Um, one thing is not hard to be a fan of is the all-star game. Let's get into our main segment today. Uh today we're gonna be giving you our picks for the 
position players in the All-Star game. Uh, I'll start by saying the final three. For those who don't know, let's uh, let's uh, enlighten the people, boss. Uh, this year, uh, the MLB is doing it a little different. So usually it's fan voting, and whoever wins the fan vote is the starter, and then the rosters are filled out from there by the managers. This year they're doing it a little different. The top three at every position and the top nine outfielders are all going in, going in like a pool. Um, and then there's a second round of voting. So, for example, the first baseman in the American League, Luke Voigt, Carlos Santana, CJ Crone, right? These guys are all finalists to see who's going to make it to um, the All-Star game. So I'm going to give you guys first the final three people as voted on by the fans, and then we'll give you guys who we think is going to be in the All-Star game. So let's start with you, boss, and let's start right there. First base for the National League, uh, for the American League, excuse me, we've got Luke Voigt of the Yankees, Carlos Santana of the Indians, and CJ Crone of the Twins. Uh, who you got? <laughs> I got Luke Voigt. <laughs> um, nah, maybe a little bit, but Luke Voigt, he's got – Close to 20 home runs. Um, and he did, he's had a bunch of clutch base hits. Uh, he's really, he's one of the best hitters in the league in, with uh, runs in scoring position. And uh, he really shouldered the load when Judge and Stanton went down. Um, I know I was a big Luke Voigt doubter coming into this year. I actually wanted Greg Bird to start at first base for the Yanks. Um, but he's proved me wrong. He's hitting 270. He's kind of been there all year, steady, and he's providing the power and the the run the production in the middle of the lineup out of the two hole. So he stepped up big time for the Yankees. The Yankees are now 20 games over 500. Um, so winning also factors into my vote a little bit. If you, well, you'll find out, but, um, so yeah, I got Luke Voigt starting over Santana. who's having a great year in his first year back in Cleveland from Seattle. And, uh, yeah. And Crone Crone obviously hits in the middle of that twins powerhouse of a lineup. That's leading the league in home runs, but I'm going to go Luke Voigt here. Uh, shout out to Crone. He's having a good year, but I'm going Carlos Santana. And now look, I'm just playing with you. When I say Homer Voight is a great pick because he's one of the bats that kept the Yankees afloat while the rest of the guys were out. Shout out to Greg bird for getting injured again to make room for Luke Voigt. Um, <laughs> he, that, that guy's chance is probably over with the uh, Yankees now. dude is made of glass. Yeah. He's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to see. It's, it's sad to see, but, uh, hopefully he lands somewhere else, but, uh, that's over now. So I, I mean, I would, I would vote Voight, but I wouldn't, my, my vote's going to be for Carlos Santana. I think for the simple reason that his on-base percentage is up there in with the best of him in the league, his OPS 957. That's what you want to see out of your power hitting slugging first baseman, a 293 batting average in the middle of a lineup that has been better than people thought going into the year. Um, 47 RBIs again, right in the middle of that order, 17 home runs, any, then three stolen bases to boot. Um, I think Carlos Santana takes it because he was able to leave, uh, go to Philly for a year and then come back and kind of be the same guy he was before right in the middle of that lineup. So I think Carlos Santana gets my vote here. So I like it. So for first base, we got Carlos. So we're already disagreeing, uh, for second base, DJ LeMahieu of the Yankees, you get used to me saying of the Yankees, uh, DJ LeMahieu of the Yankees, Jose Altuve of the Astros and Tommy LaStella of the Angels. Boss, who's your guy? I got Tommy LaStella. I just love the story, bro. This dude was with the Cubs, a utility player with the Cubs for, you know, four years. Didn't really have that many at bats. He only had, I think, in his, oh, no, he never had any. At, he has more at bats this year than he did any year with the Cubs. Fact. He has 
more home runs this year than he did in his whole career with 15 this year as opposed to 10 coming into this year. Um, and he has 43 RBIs with hitting close to 300. So this dude is one of the better stories in baseball of him never getting a shot really with all, all the talent uh, ahead of him in Chicago. Goes out west to the Angels and is a contributor from day one. So it's a great story. Um, he's got the stats to boot. And I uh, love me some Tommy LaStella. So I got him starting at second base. I got LaStella too, man. I think I, I love the story. I mean, you basically said everything I was going to say. And, and you know, this is a team that a lot of people didn't think would compete. The Angels over and over again are kind of that team that wins between 77 and 81, 82 games, sometimes 83 games. They kind of stick around. They get hot. But they, they're normally not a threat. This year, they're, they're, they're in the, the mix. And a big reason for that is Listella, who came out of nowhere, like you said, um, finally getting his chance. Uh, <clears throat> 388 on base percentage is the, the dude is the dude's doing his thing. So uh, Tommy Listella, shout out to you, bro. I, I I'm I'm putting you in there, second base, uh, all star team. Let's move over to third base now. Uh, going around the horn, we got Gio Urshela of the Yankees, Hunter Dozier of the Royals, and Alex Bregman of the Astros. Who you taking, boss? Uh, I'm going to go Alex Bregman, also similar to Luke Voigt of where uh, the Astros have all these injuries, right? Oh, Altuve finally got back. Um, Correa is still on the shelf, and George Springer is also still on the shelf. But, um, yeah, Alex Bregman is just quietly having another monster year, hitting only 260, but providing the power numbers. He's got 21 home runs at not even the break. He had 31 all of last year, 50 RBIs. Um, and his on base is still almost 400. So he's while the average is taking a dip, I think the power production is worthy enough for him to start at third base, which I think is kind of weak uh, to begin with. You have Rochelle in there who's, I mean, not for nothing. He is having, you know, a career year. That's also an interesting story. Granted, his hitting numbers prior to this were like 220 and below. So I'm going to go Bregman here. He really sticks out. He's got the star power. And he's on one of the best teams in baseball. So give me some Alex Bregman. Also has some great tweets. One of the better personalities on social media. That's got to yeah. factor into my vote. If you're a bro and you like bro humor, like go check out his YouTube page. It's super bro <laughs> out. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm going with Alex Bregman as well, boss. Not to not to keep piggybacking you and everything. But I just think that what he's doing in a lineup that is been decimated by injuries, he's kind of been the glue to the whole thing. And yeah, his batting average is down, but as soon as you look at batting average, your next view should go over that on base percentage, uh, 388 and his slugging percentage of 522, which is also tops uh, an OPS of, of 910. So even though he's not getting the, the base hits, he's still hitting for power. He's still, still producing 21 home runs is he's on pace to shatter his career high. So he's a guy that's gotten better and better each year and he continues to do so. Uh, I just love what he's doing for uh, one of the better teams in the league and keeping them uh, in contention while their guys are all, are all out or recovering. So I think, uh, yeah, I think Alex Bregman is the answer there as well. Let's go to number six, the short stops. Um, Carlos Correa, who missed some time. Uh, with the Astros, Jorge Polanco of the Twins, and Glaber Torres of the Yankees. Boss, who you got? First of all, I don't think Glaber Torres should be in this. I mean, I, the Yankees have one person in every position because their fans show out. That's, that I, is respect. Is. Respect but to I, the Yankee fans. I would have put Tim Anderson in over, over Glaber Torres. No disrespect. Like, Glaber Torres is having a pretty good year, but Tim Anderson is having a breakout year. Um, 
he's very polarizing with the bat flips. You know that, like the start of the year, he's continued it up until uh, the other day. He hit one Swag off uh, Lance Lance Lynn and just looked at it. They're like, oh, Swag is so real. Um, so yeah, I would have put Tim Anderson in this vote for sure. I don't know if I would have picked them, but he's got to be in the final three for me. Um, but I'm gonna go Jorge Polanco. He's leading the league in hits with almost. He's got 98 hits, so he's gonna have 100 hits before the break. Um, on pace for a 200 hit season, uh, and he has 22 doubles. Like this dude provides a little power with 11 home runs, but I love that he gets on base with uh, base hits and extra base hits. Not not so much the home run, just the, du- the double factor. He has five triples, too, which is a career high for him. And he's hitting 326 with a 380 on base percentage. He's just setting the table. You, I talked about earlier all these twin home runs that they're leading the league. Well, he's on base for some of them because he's at the top of that lineup, usually hitting leadoff or batting second behind Max Kepler. So um, give me some of Jorge Polanco. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the easier ones. Uh, Carlos Correa is not lighting the world on fire. Um, and... Like Glaber Torres, like you said, probably shouldn't even be in the conversation. Just the Yankee fans showed out. Um, Jorge Polanco, he's having a career year, 326 batting average. I'm not going to go over the exact same stats that, that you just did, but he's doing it in the middle of the lineup on a team where everyone in the world except Boss thought was going to be whack. Um, shout out to Boss. I, I, that's one of the better. Uh, Very mad at myself. One of the better calls of the year that the Twinkies are going to be good. I must They're say. Real- it was like three to one dogs to win the division. Now they're like minus a thousand. It's like ten to one favorites. <laughs> you gotta lay ten dollars to win one dollar. Oof, that's yeah, uh, that's rough right there. The life of a better. But yeah, yeah, no no reason to waste any more time on this one. I think uh, Jorge Polanco uh, gets my vote here, and I think that I think he will. I think he'll get it. What do you think? Uh, out of those three, he should. But um, like you said, the Yankee fans show out. And uh, Correa also brings like a lot of star power with his name. No, like out of all three, Jorge Polanco is probably the least known player. Like he plays in Minnesota. He was suspended for PEDs last year, so he missed most of the year. No one heard this name really till this year. It's just like coming out party. Um, so I could see him not starting, but I think he's the most worthy. Let's go to the outfielders. We're gonna name three outfielders out of these nine. Uh, let's go for it. the Astros. The entire Astros outfield out here. Uh, George Springer, Michael Brantley, and Josh Reddick. Uh, Mike Trout of the Angels, of course. Austin Meadows, the rookie for the Rays. That's lighting things up. Mookie Betts. Eddie Rosario of the Twins. Aaron Judge of the Yankees. Again, those Yankee fans showing out, even though Aaron Judge has missed some time. And Joey Gallo of the Rangers, who all of a sudden realized that there's more to life than just hitting the ball out of the ballpark this season. Um, Shout out to Joey Gallo. So, boss, out of these nine, who are your three outfielders? Uh, there's no way I can't put Joey Gallo in because this dude was barely sniffing the Mendoza line 200 and, uh, he's hitting 276 this year. I know he got hurt recently, which sucked because he was having that monster year. He had 11 doubles, 17 home runs, still popping him out of the park at a high rate. Um, couple stolen bases in there, but I just love the fact that he's a fearful hitter. Now you don't have to worry about it. It was a home run or strikeout. And, uh, that's not the case anymore. He will, he will take you to the outfield for a single. Or, uh, you know, he'll shoot some gaps. But it sucks because he has an uh, oblique injury, which is tough for swinging. Um, so I'm not sure he'll be healthy enough to start. But he would have my vote 100%. Uh, then I'm going to go over to George Springer, who I think was the MVP before his hamstring strain. I mean, he's only missed about a week or two. But this dude's numbers are straight up beast-like. Uh, 300 atop the, the Astros order. His best career best so far. 
for nearly 390 on, on base percentage, 17 home runs. So from the leadoff spot, you're getting power production, which is kind of the new thing in baseball. You're spo- If you're hitting leadoff, you're supposed to be able to hit them out of the park. You're not necessarily the table setter anymore. Although, like I said, that's what Jorge Polanco is known for. You look at George Springer, he's popping them out of the park uh, from that leadoff spot. So I'm going him. And then Austin Meadows, who every time whoa, I look whoa, at that whoa, trade. Whoa, 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 whoa. Go ahead. You didn't say Mike Trout, bro. Oh, damn, I didn't say Mike Trout. <laughs> I was going to say, but, you know what, just, but I'm going different. Fuck it, fuck it. Go, you know, be, be you, boss. No, you know what it is? I, I looked at this list and I'm rewarding guys who haven't been here before and are having monster years. Like, yeah. I, I mean, Mike Trout, obviously worthy. He's the best player in baseball. He should be starting every year in the All-Star game. But I want to see some new faces, you know what I'm saying? So Austin Meadows, I went with the young buck for my last guy. Um, what's more there? What's the, like you said, he got, I mean, he got hurt, but he was hitting like 340 and he went to his monster slump where he was like, oh, for his last 28, still hitting 304. So that tells you how good of a hitter he is and how hot of a start he got off to despite the injury. Um, has, has been kind of slow since coming back from the injury, but he's got some triples, doubles. He brings all the extra base hits. And every time I look at this trade, I wonder how Pittsburgh made it because they got Chris Archer back, who's a good pitcher but not a great one and not someone you trade one of your top prospects for in Meadows and one of your young pitchers who's kind of who was a little lost uh just needed some guidance who's pitch who would be an all-star probably starting in this game if he didn't get hurt Tyler Glass now um but that's that's how I feel that my outfield I couldn't judge Judge didn't play enough games um Josh Reddick is having a great offensive year but just not someone really I care for I love the Michael Brantley story his first health year in what feels like forever um, the change of scenery might have done for him, leaving Cleveland, going up to a contender in Houston. Although Cleveland was a contender, but just getting out of you know a city somewhere you're injured, somewhere it's not working out for you, it's good to go. He's cleaning house over there. Um, and yeah, Mookie Betts, like we, we talked about that, I think last episode, how he was having a down year. So I'm not going to reward him with a start. Nice. He should be probably make the All Star team. He's come on a little bit of late. Um, but that's what I'm rolling. I'm rolling with those three: Meadows, Gallo, and Springer. I mean, I like your style, boss. I like, I like it. I need some, but, I need some new blood, new blood. You need, you need, yeah, I, I feel that, man. I, I feel that. Um, I'm not gonna go with new blood. Uh, I Mike Trout. I mean, come on, three oh seven, twenty two home runs, fifty six RBIs, eight stolen bases. Ooh. He has an OPS of one point one oh eight. Bonkers. What? What? Bonkers. what? <laughs> He's slugging. Six forty-two, like this is ridiculous numbers. That um, I wouldn't say the best of all time. People remember how people don't remember how good Bonds is, but I'll, I'll put him as one of the best players, uh, ever to lace up cleats in history. And he needs to be an All Star. He's so good, and he's been good for so long that he needs to be one of those guys that makes the All Star team, even when he like is injured for the first two months and is batting two twenty. Like he should be an All Star starter regardless. Yeah. Bro, we need Mike Trout in the playoffs this year. That's what we really need. Him. That's what we really need. Um, the second guy I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Michael Brantley, man. I, look, in my opinion, uh, I, I mentioned this on the preview show. Michael Brantley was like my shady uh, pick for MVP that could come out of nowhere. Uh, and I think that he has always had the tools. And you mentioned it before. Like He's never, he's never healthy. And it's a shame because he could – I feel like at his best he could be – uh, what Matt Kemp was at his best. They those two have a very similar storyline careers. Like when they're healthy, they're both fire, and when they're not, they're definitely not. So they're ice. 
Yeah, they're ice. So, uh, but I think Michael Brantley, that story coming back. And then my final one is going to be George Springer. Uh, you can't you can't ignore what George Springer did before that injury, and even since coming back from the injury, his you know his average has slacked a little bit, but he's in the middle of an Astros lineup that is completely decimated by injuries, and he's holding it down. Uh, he's got all these power numbers and production numbers at the leadoff spot, which it makes them even more impressive because you're not going to get as many opportunities out of that leadoff spot. So those are my three outfielders: Mike Trout, George Springer, and. Uh, and uh, who who is my Michael Brantley? Shout out to Austin Meadows though. I think if not for that recent stretch where he's been struggling, he would have made it for me. Um, shout out to Eddie Rosario, who's impressing again. Um, and shout out big, to the, yeah, go ahead, big go ahead. big piece in the middle of the Twins lineup, Eddie Rosario. Facts. Um, and then shout out to Josh Reddick, who goes from a a platoon guy to you know taking more of a role on and and is is really doing well he's also and, more known for his glove than he was his bat yeah and then kind of come on with the bat joey gallo too joey all these guys have a good um a good case for being I, here i'd say everyone except judge yeah everyone except judge should, should be in the in the running for a starting spot guys we have it here the first position in the al that we're not gonna have a yankee up for um J.D. Martinez, Hunter Pence, and Nelson Cruz are the um, the candidates to make it for the American League DH position. Boss, who makes it in your in your world? I'm not gonna lie. I went a little different here, not by the ballot, which I should have. But I went Carlos Santana just because I wanted to get him in there, like because I didn't pick him to start first base or avoid. But the All Star game is in Cleveland this year, so they do deserve a starter. And uh, like I said, it's his first year back since the uh, he went to Philly for one year. And he's one of the bigger bats in that lineup. Uh, Lindor missed some time early, but he's held it down. 293. And this dude is popping home runs at, at a career-high rate. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm putting Carlos Santana in here strictly because the Indians need a guy in their lineup for the All-Star game. First of all, shout-out to Nelson Cruz. He... Switches teams and continues to prove that he's an absolute beast. Yo, that guy, um, I feel like, has been on every team the last 30, <laughs> 32 years. Since his, I mean, 30 years, so there's only 30 teams in baseball. I feel like he's played for everyone. No one ever wants to give him, like, money or term. Yeah, he's just like a hired hitman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Hunter Pence, who is resurrecting his career after a few injury plague season with, uh, with the Giants. And then shout out to J.D. Martinez, who is probably the best DH in the bunch. And if I had to pick from the DHs, I would pick J.D. Martinez. But I went like you, boss. I'm putting Austin Meadows in here. I think the kid deserves an all-star appearance. Yeah, he got cold. But what can you do? Uh, you're in the middle of a lineup. That's that's a team that no one expected to compete. No one. Not a single human being on this earth expected the race to compete. I mean, that's a stretch. They won 90 games last year. Yeah, and everyone had them say- falling off. I don't know. I, I like them. I actually had them in my playoffs at the, the Did start you? Of the year. Man, you were you yeah. were on the American League, boss. I was. Yo, shout out to boss. I had, a, I had three AL East teams. I remember that. You thought I was crazy for that. I did. At, and, and I had the twins in. I had the Indians out. At Endovito 27, if you're trying to get those gems. Um, but yeah, Austin Meadows still batting 304. He's in the middle of a of a Tampa Bay lineup that's you know, when you have uh Travis Darnold, I mean Travis Darno as your uh, leadoff hitter. Um, you have you can have a better lineup, and Austin Meadows has been a, a really key cog in the middle. And when he struggles, you see how the team has kind of lacked. 
Right, they've fallen off a little bit. Right, and when he and when he's at his best, you see that he carries the squad. So when there's a, a person with that much pull on a team and that much ability to swing wins and losses, you got to go with Austin Meadows. So Austin Meadows is my DH. He, who, he DHs all the time. If you look him up, like his position is DH. So I don't know how he got the the short end of the stick going out there in the outfield not being a DH. So anyway, um, let's go over to the senior circuit. The National League, um, man, I'm about to get emotional here, boss. Oh, oh, God, please don't. First base, your, your, uh, your people for first base: Freddie Freeman, Josh Bell, Anthony Rizzo. How Pete Alonso is not in this fucking conversation is beyond me. And I'm gonna go on a little rant right here. Just give me a second, let me live. Yo, Mets fans, I'm one of you. I am you. I'm part of you. What the fuck? How do we not let the number one rookie in the league? We finally have the guy. Finally. What do we have to do to get the guy? Are this our last position player that hit that was a, a quote-unquote superstar was David Wright. And if we're just being honest with each other, he wasn't a superstar. He was a good player. He was, a, he was like a four-star out of five-star player. Extremely good. But he wasn't Aaron Judge. He wasn't Giancarlo Stanton. He wasn't Freddie Freeman. Right, he wasn't these guys. He wasn't Nolan Arenado. Pete Alonso is. He's all these guys, and you let Josh fucking Bell uh, look. Look, look, Josh. Hey, Bell, hey, hey, Josh hey, Bell's hey. having a great season. Josh Bell's having a great season. You let Freddie fucking Fre- having a great season. <laughs> you let Anthony fucking Rizzo go in front of you. Oh, he's having an all right season, but he missed time. He's not lighting it up. Pete Alonso's name should be here. Are you kidding me, Mets fans? You can, you can vote on the app. You can vote at ballparks. You can vote at MLB.com. You can vote where the fuck you want. What, 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 what's going on? What, what, what is this? Is this not New York anymore? Did we forget how to be New Yorkers? Did we forget how to, how to be with our squad? Anyway, my rant is done. Who's your National League first baseman? Are you done being all emotional? I'm done being emotional. Thank God. Jesus Christ. Please. Enough of that. Not kidding. Uh, I got Josh Bell after you tried to slander his name. He's leading the league in doubles. Uh, already in the 2020 club. He's looking to join the 40-40 club this year. Uh, 28 doubles, 20 home runs. Um, 66 RBIs. Also leads the NL more than he had all of last year. This dude is straight up raking a 1.02 OPS. And he plays a good first base, man. You know what I'm saying? So give me all of the Josh Bell stock. I loved him. Uh, when he was a prospect, I actually took him as a prospect in fantasy, and he kind of underwhelmed, specifically in the power department. Uh, only had 12 home runs last year. Like, that was a big fall-off from 26's rookie year. So, yeah, after a down year of no production, he hit for average last year, you know, he had the 277, but he was not producing as a middle-of-the-order bat should. Uh, this year, he's come back with a vengeance, and he's raking. Like I said, leading league in doubles, RBIs. Get that man in the All-Star game and get him starting at first base. For me, I'm going with a guy that I've had to watch murder me over and over again. Um, even when he has no protection in his lineup, he still finds ways to rake. And now that he does have protection in the lineup, uh, he's getting better and better every single year. I think Freddie Freeman starts at first base for the National League. Um, <coughs> Peter Alonso. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but look, 316 average, you can't fight with that, right? 21 home runs, 61 RBIs. He's basically doing everything Pete Alonso is doing, except he's batting 316 rather than 270. Right. So you can't be mad at it because he is 
the person who deserves to start in the all-star game, in my opinion. And that doesn't take anything away from Bell. Josh Bell has been having a great year. And again, he did struggle a little bit last year. I remember, as you know, uh, Mike Michael from Brodo, my brother, um, he's one of the best fantasy baseball minds that you're going to see. He was all over Josh Bell last year. And he said, like, oh, yo, don't worry. He's here. He's he's going to get it together. Pick him up again this year. And he's really put it all together. The dude has he's he's a complete player. But I think just Freddie Freeman being in the middle of one of the hottest teams in the league in June. On top of that, uh, he produces whether he has people around him. He doesn't have people around him. He's just a stalwart in that offense. On top of that, he's a, a great defensive first baseman. We haven't we haven't talked about that at all. He was the NL Gold Glove winner last year, um, continuing that good goodness at first base this year so uh <laughs> um yeah and, and no you know 61 rbis in 77 games that's that's kind of remarkable so uh freddie freeman for the atlanta braves uh a, a player who definitely is the linchpin of a very very good team that people kind of forgot about because they started a little slow they kind of crawled in crawled in, and then bam here they are back again so uh yeah i think he he starts for the uh, for the braves Definitely starts for the Braves and definitely starts for the NLL. <laughs> uh, let's go over to second base. Um, we got some new names in second base. We'll definitely have someone that wasn't on the All-Star team last year. Ozzy Albies, who, oh man, that contract. That contract. Yo, remember Ozzy Albies, don't forget, was my predicted Hall of Famer. Twenty-five. <laughs> That's facts. Um, Ozzy Albies of the Braves, Mike Moustakis of the Brewers, and Kettle Marte of the Diamondbacks. Who you got? Who do you got, Tim? You start this one off. I don't hear who you got out of all this new blood. Yo, man, I got to watch these guys play every single day. And while Marte's having a spectacular season, and so is Mike Moustakis, shout out to the Greeks, lambs up, you know, as as Nick the Lamb would say, shout out to the Greeks, Mike Moustakis, uh, batting 280. He's like a career 240 hitter, so definitely stepping his game up this year. I'm going to go Ozzy Albies, man. Uh, Ozzy Albies for me is again, I think, like you said, the winning has to, has to play a role and he's in, he's right in the middle of a situation where that's one of the hottest teams in the league. He kind of came out of nowhere with the home runs. He only had 11 home runs and 300 and not, I'm sorry, excuse me. He only had 24 home runs in, uh, 639 at bats last season. Now he's got 11 in 309 so he's he's increased those power numbers 40 rbis as well but six six stolen bases but besides that he's on base all the time uh, uh, on base percentage over over 340 um and he's just in the middle of everything in that brains lineup so i think ozzy albies is the position is the guy for me uh because he's the most complete player and the best defender of the bunch even though you know Marte and Mustakis both have they they both have arguments to be made that's who I got. I got Cattell Marte, too. Um, 20 home runs already, a career high by six. Uh, just having a big year, a career year, honestly, for the, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, he was a pretty good prospect. Um, supposed to be a great player, but he's putting it together this year. 17 doubles. He's, he's doing a little bit of everything. And with the 309 average, also light years better of what he's done. Whereas the last three years, if you look at his average, it's kind of funny. Is Kind of like Chris Davis, 259, 260, and 260. So he's a straight 260 hitter who's sitting 309 this year, um, having a big year for them. So I'm going with Cattell Marte at second base for the NL squad. I'll tell you right now, for third base, I could tell you who's 
in the running, but Nolan Arenado is getting the call for me. Uh, for me, Nolan Arenado is the Mike Trout of the National League. And as soon as you thought he couldn't get any better, he's better. Like somehow he's better. Uh, batting 234 with a over 380 on base percentage, 19 home runs, 62 RBIs in only 76 games. He's in the middle of every single thing that there is. Um, his last game, three for five with two home runs in an 11-6 win. Um, look, the dude right now, it, it, he's already great. As of his last 12 games, he is hitting 362 with six home runs, 15 RBIs, 12 runs. That's only in his last 12 games, and he's already a beast. So the fact that he's hot, he's getting hot now, and the fact that he's the Mike Trout, who sh I think should be in this game every single year, no matter what he's doing, uh, he's the third baseman representative. Sorry, Chris Bryant. But, um, yeah, I think Nolan Arenado is the guy. The other two guys, though, that are in the running, Josh Donaldson of the Braves with having a bounce back year, and uh, Chris Bryant. Uh, Braves fans, another fan base that showed out, you're going to see Braves in every single place uh, that there is to pick somebody. So shout out to Braves fans who showed out. Um, but with that being said, who you got? I actually love Josh Donaldson being back, the bringer of rain. That's one of my favorite nicknames in, in baseball. So I'm going to give him the DH spot just for that because he was an AL guy too for the longest time. Had his best years in the AL. He fits uh, it. He fits it. His first year in the NL, 260. You know, he's got – he's been bothered with injuries the last three years so you don't want to put him at third base in the all-star game one situation you can put him in the dh we'll put him there but yeah i got arenado too i think it's blasphemy if you don't also his defense he's won a gold glove just about every year he's been up so he brings it with the bat uh and the glove so i'm sticking him out at there just like you and i'm putting josh donaldson as my nldh i'm gonna put mike moustakis as the dh just because he's greek and shout out to the greeks also <laughs> former DH and nah, but he's having a really good season. Um, I, I guess we're going to skip to DH real quick uh, since we both have Nolan Arenado at third base. And I think Whoa. that one is the biggest gap between who's next, because although Chris Bryant's having a good year, it's not the same numbers. You know what is for the, the NL too? There was no DH like offering. I don't think. Right. Right. So, so, uh, you know, I picked my DH from the, from the group, just like oh. I did the AL though. <laughs> Uh, 280, by the way, for Mike Moustakis, uh, 22 home runs and 48 RBIs with a five, with a 583 slugging percentage. So, uh, dude's mashing. So uh, that's why he's my DH at shortstop. You got Dansby Swanson of the Braves, Javier Baez of the Cubs and Trevor story of the Rockies. Uh, boss, who you got? I got Dansby Swanson. Like you said, uh, the Braves fans really showed out here. Um, I know Dansby Swanson last year had this. Had a pretty down year because he got hit in the wrist and uh, kind of wasn't really able to recover. So he only hit like 238. Uh, but this year he's got it back up to 260. He's hitting them out of the park. He's already tied a career high for home runs, 14 home runs. Listen, the baseball is maybe juice, so that's why all the, everyone's numbers are inflated. We talked about the Alonzo home runs earlier. You know, guys are hitting home runs at, at obviously the highest pace of all time. Uh, but Dansby Swanson, if you're getting that production from a shortstop, you'll surely take it. Uh, so, yeah, I got Dansby Swanson uh, leading the charge at shortstop for the NL. I'm going with a guy who crushed my dreams yesterday and crushed Mickey Calloway. Um, I think that's the right the guy. Conference. I think yeah, that's the right guy. Javi Baez, I think. Uh, he's really establishing himself as one of the better – you can't even say shortstops in the league because he plays a little second, plays a little third. One of the better infielders in the league. Um, 284 batting average. Um, he, his on-base percentage could be a little higher. 
I will say that like he he does he is a little bit of a free swinger, um, which is something that you know he needs to address in his game. Uh, already this year he has 96 strikeouts, so he's and that's compared to 86 hits. So if there is a hole in his game, it's the fact that he just takes big rips and he does not give a fuck. Um, but when you have extra base hit potential like he does, 19 home runs, three triples, 18 doubles, um, in 303 at bats slugging 551 out of the shortstop hole that's something that is you can, you can't you can't duplicate that right now in the National League at shortstop so uh Javi Baez who is right in the middle again of a powerful lineup that is on the comeback trail after a little bit of a down year last year um I love I love some Javi Baez at shortstop shout out to Trevor just, Story too who's uh just a masher and he got hurt though that sucks he's got yeah. that he's going to be out for a while so Realistically, yeah. he's not even going to start. Tim, if you have anyone but Cody Bellinger and Yelich in your outfield, though, I got to call you crazy for two or no. three spots. I mean, no. That, right, I, I, I feel like that's not even worth discussing, is it? It's not. Like, I mean, uh, if you have that up for debate, I question any knowledge you have of baseball. Those two <laughs> aren't in your starting outfield. Yeah, we and we talked about them early in the year, too. Of uh, we, We've been talking about they've. I, I feel like we've either talked Bellinger or Yelich every single episode Bro, that we've done. Yelly or Belly. Yeah, yeah, Yelly and Be- oh, I like that. Did you make that up? Nah, nah. <laughs> uh, damn. I wish I did. I wish I did. Damn, that was fire. Yelly that was fire, bro. Yelly and Belly, I like it. So Yelly and Belly, let's just count them in. They gotta be in. They gotta be in. No brainers. So, so that means we got seven people for one slot. Uh, Ronald Lacuna of the Braves, Nick Marquette, if Cake is of the Braves, shout out to the Greeks out here. Um, Charlie Blackman of the Rockies, Albert Amora of the Cubs, Jason Hayward of the Cubs, Kyle Schwarber of the Cubs, and Jock <laughs> Peterson. Of the Dodgers, obviously, fan voting has it uh, something to play in this. Who's your last player? Honestly, how is Albert Albor in this? I don't know. I don't know. I think anyway, it's Cubs fans showed out. It could and be. He, I mean, he's been having a decent year. He's like decent. He's not all star. Right. I he's love him. Like, his defensive abilities are ridiculous. Like I love him out in center field, but you got to show up. Wouldn't be my starting all star. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I'm gonna go with Charlie Blackman, who's absolutely been tearing the cover off the ball the last couple weeks. Uh, I think over the last three weeks, this dude's been hitting like 500. He had a, like five, four hit games. Uh, this dude just caught fire the last couple of weeks and has been insane. So due to that recency bias, I'm going to go Charlie Blackman, who's raced his average from 297 to 331 over the last two weeks. Has a over a one OPS now. 18 home runs. I'm sorry, not 18 home runs. Yeah, 18 home runs, 18 doubles, and six triples, which is leading the league. So... The prototypical leadoff hitter, Charlie Blackman, Swiss Army knife, does it all, plays a great outfield. Um, give me all of Charlie Blackman starting alongside Yelling Belly. I agree. I mean, we have the same outfield in the National League. I think it's because these three outfielders are have have cemented themselves in a place where people it's just rare air these days. And when you're batting 331, that's extremely rare air these days. That's not something that you see every day. On top of that, he has the power numbers, 18 home runs. Um, He has the RBI numbers, 49 RBIs. So this is not a guy who is, you know, just swinging for the fences and hitting 19 home runs. Is he assisted slightly by batting in Colorado? Of course he is. But, you know, you can't hold that against the guy because he can only do what he can. He, you know, he can't do what he can't do. He can't play every game in Yankee Stadium because he doesn't play for the Yankees. So... Uh, even though you know that's not the best, uh, that's not I was the best about to say he probably put up those numbers. Yeah, there too, he probably put, he definitely put those up. But uh, 
you know, he's like you said, he's a guy, 54 runs scored, right? He's a guy, 18 doubles, leads the league in triples with 16, uh, 18 home runs. So he's hitting with power. He's slugging 643. He has an OPS of over 1.1. Uh, I'm sorry, 1.1. 1. 1, uh, 1.019. You know what it is? These these averages, these OPSs sometimes that go over one, there was a time where that was unheard of. So like my, my I don't know, my mouth just isn't used to saying one point something anymore. I, I, I can say 860 real well, say 933. <laughs> you know, I'm just not, I'm just not used to saying 1.1, 1. 1, 1. 1.019 yet. See, yeah, yeah. I fucked up on that too. Um, But anyway, uh, I think these th those three guys are just like head and shoulders over the rest. But shout out to Ronald Okuno, who again is having a great year. Another steal of a contract by the by the Braves. So yeah, I think uh, shout out to them. Last one, boss. We got the catchers, the backstops. You ready? The biggity backs. Who you guys? The biggity backstops. Um, in the National League, uh, give me yours first because I have to pull up my list that I accidentally xed out. Uh, I think solid, solid. I this. You don't I think catchers think, a position? I mean, I, I I got a little hell of myself. The catchers was in the it was before outfielders for me, and then I remember we didn't. Uh, Wilson Contreras though, Brian McCann and Yasmani Grandel are the um, are the people. I think I have Contreras, but I'm not sure. Uh, let me go check, boss. Who do you I'm got? A, I got Yasmani Grandal. Uh, okay. Made the move from L, the Dodgers to the Brewers. And uh, was off to a scorching hot start, uh, especially with the home runs. He was popping out like crazy. He still has 17, which is pretty solid. Uh, hitting 274 for a catcher, which is one of his best years. And, yeah, I mean, he's he's taking the transition rather smoothly, going to a small market team. Granted, the Brewers are small market, but they're one of the best teams in the NL. Uh, they'll be fighting for a spot down towards the wire with the Cubs. Uh, I think I'm just going to throw this in there, too, since – I'm feeling hot off my twin squad. I think the Reds will be competing too for the division, but the NL Central has a ton of good teams up the top. Pittsburgh is hanging around. The Cardinals are hanging around. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see how his hitting holds up because he's obviously known for by Dodger fans as not being able to hit in the postseason at all. He has terrible career postseason numbers, but for now we're only looking at the first half, and I think he's worthy of an all-star selection. I, I'm, I am going with Wilson Contreras. Um, look, I think he's the best catcher in the national league just overall i think that he cemented his place as that um especially after last year his first all-star season uh that following up on another great year so this is now his third year where he's been putting up numbers like this uh 15 home runs 290 batting average he has 35 runs scored 42 rbis he's slugging uh 548 an on-base percentage of 934 see i i, I got it i got it uh, an OPS, I'm sorry, of 934. Um, he's on base all the time. He could swing it. And he's one of the better defensive guys in the National League. I just think that Wilson Contreras has cemented himself as the best catcher in the NL. And I think that he deserves the spot. I'm glad you said NL because I have Gary starting in the AL. Did we talk about the AL catcher? We did, might have skipped that over. Did too. we skip AL catcher? I think no, we did. Boss, what's good with me today, bro? I don't know. But I'm glad you like specifically went out of your way to say best catcher in the NL because Gary damn Sanchez is the best catcher in baseball. I don't even have to explain why he's starting. He's fucking starting. That's all I got for you. Yeah. I got Gary Sanchez too. You can't, you don't have to explain it. The dude, the dude's railing. The dude is raking the ball and it's good to see because after last year, he looked like he couldn't hit the fucking, as they used to say in, in Ken Griffey junior baseball, he can't hit the 
broadside of a barn. <laughs> easy, Gary. Easily, Gary. Another easy thing to do is go to Twitter and follow at Veterans Minimum or go to patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum to support the show. You get a whole bunch of extras on top of the fact where you're just supporting us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Boss, where could they find you? At Endovito27 on Twitter and the gram. You can find me at TimperTrop on all social media outlets, but only if you're feeling real, real, real frisky. It was good to talk about All-Stars, man. You get when when the All Star game happens, that's when the baseball season gets really real. That's when it gets hot, the weather gets warm, the races get hot. You know what I'm saying? Also, pretty dope. Vlad Jr. accepted a home run derby invite, so that'll be fun as hell. I'm trying to see Pete Alonso in the home run derby. Where's his invite? I don't know. I'm trying to see Luke Voigt in there too. Get some New York, New York war. Maybe little little Gary Sanchez. Nah, I don't think he'll do it. Maybe he already did it though in Miami a couple years ago. You know what? Fuck that. Actually, I don't want to fuck up his swing. When David Wright did the home run derby, he almost won, and he fucked up his swing for the second half. Fuck That's it. how Judge fucked up his shoulder a couple years ago, too. Yeah, Mike Piazza notoriously has three, I think, three career or two career uh, home run derbies with no home runs. So <laughs> the home run derbies have not been kind to Mets. So, you know, keep us out. Um, but with that being said, uh, we'll, we'll catch you guys in two weeks in our usual time slot uh, for the one and only Boss man, Nick DeVito. I am Tim Petrop. See you.